On this episode of the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchman, I have Charlie Knave. Charlie is a ruling elder in Virginia, but he's also the founder and director of More, More in the PCA, which we will learn more about. Now, you may remember an earlier episode where I was uh, discussing with Brad Isbell, and I misattributed uh, that organization to Brad. Brad is the uh, host of PresbyCast, and so Brad said, no, you, you need to have Charlie Knave on. And uh, I've been familiar with Charlie at different Gospel Reformation Network conferences and to see his work. And so, Charlie, I'm sorry I misattributed that, but uh, I am familiar with you from those GRN things. Uh, thanks for being on this, this, this episode. Well, no problem at all. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. So what I really want to talk about is kind of maybe three things. One is, what is more? How did it, how did it happen? The second is the upcoming General Assembly. And then the third piece is really related to both. Uh, how should a ruling elder, how can more help a ruling elder? And maybe that comes up in the first part of the conversation, but also like what are some General Assembly 101 things? You've been to a few now. Um, but first, let's let's talk about your background so people know who they're hearing from. Where, How long you've been in the PCA? Wh- where are you? Um, and, and what are you currently doing? Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in a PCUS, PCUSA church, and uh, so I saw that uh, that slide uh, into um, uh, more or less oblivion. And uh, when I went away to college, I um, started attending uh, basically Southern Baptist churches and didn't join a, uh, a PCA church. You know, I I grew up thinking that the PCA was uh, was somehow illegitimate or um, or sketchy. Um, I, I didn't join a PCA church <laughs> until 2008, and um, I did that here in uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. And um, let's see, what what was the rest of the question? Uh, yeah, so like, how, how long you've been a ruling elder, and so how long you've been in the PCA? Uh, tell us a little bit about your family, and, and then what you do for a career. Sure, uh, I've been a ruling elder since uh, 2017, um, and jumped into General Assembly right away. Uh, I'm an attorney here in uh, in Virginia, uh, married with uh, two children uh, that we homeschool, uh, which which has been a that uh, along with uh, the PCA has been a tremendous blessing to our family. Ah, that's great. So, uh, more in the PCA. Brad said. Uh, Brad told me you had you had come to him with the idea, uh, but I guess you are the. Uh, you're the founder, the board member. T- tell us about, tell us what more is, what it stands for, and uh, kind of its genesis. Okay, uh, more is an acrostic, more orthodox ruling elders. Um, what we're trying to do is to remove some of the hurdles and hesitations that ruling elders have about uh, attending and participating in general assembly, especially because it's so expensive. Oof, um, yes. Also, uh, presbytery. Uh, you know, ruling elders are pretty good about attending uh, session meetings, uh, but if you go to presbytery, if you go to general assembly, um, you'll see that there's uh, there's not nearly as many ruling elders as there are uh, teaching elders. And of course, you know, as Presbyterians, we we believe in parity of elders and and we believe they should be on an equal footing, and there ought to be roughly equal numbers. Uh, so, I. Um, 
I went to my first GA in 2017, you know, six months after I was ordained, um, because nobody else would go. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I got, I got on uh, to my session and I became a, a ruling elder in part because I was concerned about what was happening in the denomination. And in that that year, uh, the General Assembly was in Greensboro, so you know, short drive for me, ninety minutes uh, to get down there. Yeah, that's my presbytery actually, but I wasn't up here at the time. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a neat uh, General Assembly, uh, but it was striking to me that uh, ruling elders were outnumbered by about uh, four to one. Mm. It was about an eighty twenty split. Um, and uh, that troubled me, um, and a lot of the debate troubled me. Uh, there was just some, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, progressivism and, and some shibboleths that were just so, sort of bandied about on the floor of General Assembly unchallenged. And, um, you know, that, that wasn't, I didn't feel like that's what I had signed up for as part of the PCA. You know, I was. I, I was under the impression that we were a pretty solidly confessional um, body, and um, you know it was a little jarring uh, to to listen to some of that debate. And uh, on the drive home, I was just uh, consumed with thinking about uh, a way to address this. And you know, I'm an attorney. I I represent nonprofits and fundraisers, and um, I do a lot of uh, grassroots work uh, in um, as part of my hobbies. So, uh, you know, I I prepare um, nonprofits. I or organize nonprofits. I get their uh, C three designation uh, all the time, and I figured that um, there's got to be a way to increase ruling elder participation. And one way would be to remove these financial obstacles. Uh, there's got to be donors out there who can pool their money and uh, help ruling elders uh, pay for the $450 registration fee, pay for the five nights of uh, hotel stays, and pay for um, you know uh, travel. You know some some folks have to cross a continent to get to GA, um, and so I thought uh, you know I can I can get all that put together and then find someone to run it. And uh, you know, it'll, that'll be like six weeks' work for me. Um, and so I, I went ahead and did all that, um, uh, but I never found someone else to run it, so I'm still running. It. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, just as you were talking, I thought, man, how does that? Like, I wanted to, I want to expose more to the denomination, but I really was thinking how that fits just with some of my heart for this podcast and these episodes is how. Um ruling elders see a need and a problem and they they fix it <laughs> you know and it, it very practical you know I, I interviewed o palmer robertson on another podcast that i do and he was just saying they tend you know ruling elders tend to be more practical more, uh more you know see a problem fix it fix it and i'm like yeah and uh and that's what you did and so that's just that's awesome because it is G, ga is expensive now i know um Brad did some work to get the ruling elder fee reduced. I forget what the new fee is. Do you, do you know what that is? Yeah, it's three hundred dollars, and that was that was a, a great story and persistence. Uh, he's been working on this for three or four years, and uh, you know, finally went through. 
So yes, uh, you just yeah. can't give up on these things. No, that's right, and that's that's again the pursuit of another ruling elder to help the denomination. But even if we just to think through the numbers you said a, a second ago, so you know for years it's been four hundred and fifty dollars. So you know let's uh, let's use. I'm, I was an engineer and a math teacher, but I like to round numbers. So that's five hundred bucks. And then you said um, five nights, which it is. You know, five nights generally, and the hotels. Uh, these are in major cities. And they're expensive. I think that was one of the attractive things about the Greensboro GA is I think my understanding is the, the things were a little cheaper there. But um, but generally, you know, the, the hotel is over $200 a night. Um, and so if you just use $200, which it will be more than that, because a lot of times there's not parking, there's other fees and taxes, it's really probably closer to 250 But if we say 200 that's a 1000 bucks. Now, of course, you can share a room and that's uh, that's encouraged, but that doesn't always work for people and usually there's often an odd man who can't share so that's a thousand for a room 500 for the the fee travel 500 bucks um so now you're uh what's that two grand and that didn't include meals yeah so yeah it does and uh, that's that's the kind of um expense reimbursement i was getting uh when i was uh when i was going um uh in previous years uh you know it's it's a lot of money and i i i you know, I jumped in uh, to overtures right away because no one else. Good for would. you, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work, and that's what makes it a, a five night stay. You know, if you're if you're just going for, uh, you know, for as a regular commissioner or on some other committee that doesn't meet early on, it's more like four nights, and and some people blow off the first day and uh, you know just do three nights. So. Yeah, but you know it's funny. It's not just overtures because I was on the admin committee last year because I I wanted to help vote for that proposal to reduce the uh, the fee. Um, no, I'm sorry. We had a ruling elder on admin because this that year it was for uh, ruling elders. I was on interchurch relations. Uh, anyway, I did sit in on the admin committee to watch that. <laughs> but we we put one of our ruling elders on, and because we were all traveling and driving out together, they met Monday morning which oh. means you have to get there Sunday night. So, I mean, for that, you know, one hour long meeting, you end up having to get there in a, a whole day early, actually travel in on, on the Lord's Day um, just to make a meeting for the General Assembly. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. And so um, $2,000, um, our church, we uh, we get two ruling elder representatives. We almost could have a third. We're like, 10, 15 members from having a third RE rep. And then we have three teaching elders. Uh, we've had two. We just brought another on. So we can we could probably send six this year, five for sure. So we've had to budget, you know, 10 grand for that. And I could see even how ruling elders around the denomination might not, uh, might feel that's not a wise use of the church's money, and that may be why some ruling elders also don't want to go. Is uh, you know, I remember when I was in the church in South Florida, that was one reason I didn't want to go is I didn't want the church to have to spend the money, and I didn't have the money. And that's that's, and you kind of think, and again, this is you know five six years ago, you think the denomination's okay, you know the TEs can handle it, but um, yeah, more and more, what I'm seeing is. You know, you said it should be equal ruling elders and teaching elders. I'd go a step further and say, really, we ought to, we have more ruling elders in the denomination. It probably should be more, <laughs> you know. Um, 
because there's so many teaching elders that aren't associated with the church. When you think of these guys in, in other calls outside the local church, and they have often an equal say to with pastors that are pastoring, you know, multiple hundred person congregations because that pastor doesn't come with any ruling elders. Right. Yeah. And, and it's a uh, that that's a problem in in Presbytery as well. Uh, you know, I I have a you know, maybe it's a uh, an odd idea, but I, I just get the sense that it's it's strange to have uh, an elder who doesn't serve on a session making rules for all these uh, churches. You know, I, it, it's it's strange to me that if you're a you know a chaplain at a at a hospice, or if you're um, uh, you know, an RUF guy, or you're, you know, doing these wonderful works, these 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 vital ministries, but they're not churches. Um, you know, what what are you doing, uh, telling uh, the churches what to do? Um, but you know, that's uh, that's a debate that that uh, doesn't seem to be timely right now. Well, right, and I think the answer is if churches just brought their complement, that would be okay. Because I don't like whenever I think, well, g go that route what, the way you're thinking. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to. I don't want these guys. I have friends that are RUF guys and church planners, and uh, you know, and I, uh, their voices are are good and needed, and they're seeing things we're not seeing. The issue is not in my mind that they have a vote. The issue is that churches like my like my own is only sending one person instead of five, <laughs> because that would be the counterbalance, you know. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I, I get it. So you um you saw that problem and you started more. How, so what year was that? That more was officially started. Uh, we the corporation was organized in October of seventeen, and um, we've been sending elders ever since. I think in twenty eighteen we sent two elders. In twenty nineteen we sent five. Uh, in twenty twenty there was no general assembly. Uh, in twenty twenty one. Uh, with all of the you know pent up interest in um, in revoice and what all, uh, we sent forty nine elders. Yes, and, awesome. And we helped uh, the average elder uh, uh, with uh, about eight hundred fifty dollars. Hmm. And then last year we helped uh, thirty seven elders um, for with an average assistance of uh, just under twelve hundred dollars. Um, it's because you know not everybody wants, not everybody needs everything. Some some guys just need help with the registration fees. Some guys just need help with uh, lodging. Some some just need help with uh, travel expenses or something. Um, but along the, the the way, you know, I hope that we've we've helped inspire uh, a lot of elders uh, because we've we've seen many more ruling elders coming to General Assembly. Um, you know, it was these last two general assemblies were not nearly as uh, progressive sounding as the that one I went to in Greensboro. Yeah, well, that's and and it had I, I forget what the percentage was. It was a much higher percentage of ruling elders, um, still outnumbered, but a but a, mm -hmm. a huge increase from, in five years. Yeah, uh, I think we got to, up to like thirty percent of the assembly was ruling elders. So right, right, one. Yeah. And and let me just so let me just encourage you then that so your heart is not to just um uh, be able to pay or help people with their expenses but to is encourage that across the denomination. So here's how you've you've done that for us. Um 
so I told you offline a little bit of the background of the church that I'm at. We've been through uh, a, a rough three years leading into 2020, and then 2020 was, um, you know, it was rough for everybody. Uh, it's funny, I, I became the senior pastor one month before uh, COVID hit. So I was installed in February and then COVID hit in March. And so we come off all these issues and real um, struggles at, at the church, and then we go into that. And so the 2021 GA, we didn't send any ruling elders um, to our to our shame or to my discouragement because I take that as a blame on me. And going into 2022, it was it was really questionable if we were gonna um, because guys work and guy, you know that that's that's something else I kind of feature on this podcast. It's like the ruling elders have full time jobs and most guys not like forty hours a week, you know. You know, I talk to a lot of guys that are 60 and above, and um, and then they have to use time off for these things. And oftentimes they have to pay out of pocket, and Meadowview would pay for them. That's not a question. We always do. But we didn't have anybody slotted. And then Brad had MD, uh, what's his name, Hagwood, mm-hmm. call me. I don't know why I was on his radar for this, but just to see if we needed support. And... Uh, it really just convicted me to say, I haven't done enough. Like, I put it out there if any REs want to go, and I knew guys' circumstances, and we didn't have. And so I just went after a couple of guys, and they were able to go, and they were excited to go. And uh, we, we didn't – I told Brad and I told MD, I, I, I don't want to take, take the scholarship because we've budgeted for this. What I was going to do is if I couldn't get guys to go, I was going to donate the money we budgeted to you guys so you'd send others. But my point is we sent two guys last year because you guys reached out. And uh, and again, that's probably to our shame. And, and but um, you know we're believers in it, and so you have encouraged that. And I think uh, I think that this, this podcast will do the same. And that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. Well, I'm really that's a great story, and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm glad it worked out that way. And I'm really glad you're doing this podcast. That's uh, we need more of this. Um, we, we need to. Make sure that uh, that elders all over the denomination realize that uh, you know there's a reason for Presbyterianism, and uh, it's important that that each one of these churches do send their full uh, accompaniments uh, to to Presbytery and to General Assembly. I, I think we'd all be much less frustrated um, were we to do that. It, it seems a lot seems easier to say uh you know everyone else has got it handled but um that's just not always the case and you know and to trust you know like when i was in south florida and and really not engaged in denominational business just focused locally and that's you know where our first calling is is to the we're shepherds of the local church but uh you just kind of think well your pastor has it covered you know they're just changing some policies in the Book of Church Order. There's really nothing doctrinally going on, you know. But what we've seen is that's that's just not true. We've gone from one, uh, I don't know what to call them, one debate, one theological debate and issue to another, and it really has consequences. And while we might not be able to overcome a, a lot of these two-thirds votes required in presbytery, um, there's a lot we get to do at the denominational level at General Assembly um, that can kind of uh, 
move the bar. Like pulling out of pulling out of the uh, the National Association of Evangelicals. That was the one, the committee that I served on. Um, I mean, that was a that was an assembly action. That that didn't have to go through the presbyteries. Mm-hmm. And you know, and 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 we see some of what the NAE is getting involved in now. And I'm glad our 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 name isn't associated with them. The the abortion statement to the United States government. Um, that was an assembly decision that happened not through the presbyteries. I mean, it came up through a, an, a, an overture from the presbyteries, but didn't have to go to presbytery votes. And so, and that was I'm gr- I'm glad we actually made a statement before the deci- you know the the overturning of Roe versus Wade happened, um, because it's good to have a statement on these things. Um, and so. Anyway, my point is general, a lot happens at General Assembly. Uh, but to your point about Presbytery, same thing. And one thing I'll say uh, to Piedmont Triad, Presbytery's credit, because that's the Presbytery I'm in, is we have our meetings on Saturdays. And so on the one hand, a lot of, and I know this across denomination, a lot of teaching elders don't like Saturday Presbytery meetings because that's a, you know that's a day off for most guys. And what I would say is it's a day off for all ruling elders too. And what I found is in our press tree, we get a lot of ruling elders. Metaview always sends at least our compliment, if not others, as as um, observers. They want to go, they want to be involved, you know. And when I was in a press tree before, where our meeting was on Tuesday and it was all day on Tuesday, our ruling elder participation was uh, was terrible because it's it's a lot for somebody to have to take a day off, you know, and brave traffic in, in a South Florida context and all that for you know, and we 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 should, but. But yeah, so we need that involvement. So uh, let's. I guess since we're talking more, let's. Uh, how how do guys apply? Well, uh, there's a website that we have more in the PCA.org, and uh, the application for 2023 is up and live right now. Go to more in the PCA.org and click on the apply tab, and there's an application to fill out. Um, just. Fill it out, and uh, we will be in touch with you via email um, to to go through the process with you. But um, it's it's pretty simple. We've we've kind of got it down to a science now after doing it uh, this many years finally. Um, but to, to what you were saying before that, um, I, you know, another one of the hesitations that ruling elders have is that uh, uh, you know it's it seems like. They're not going to know anyone at General Assembly, and that's true. You know, if you're a teaching elder and you go, uh, General Assembly is is not just uh, work of the church. It's also kind of a vacation and homecoming and and all this stuff. You get together with your pastor buddies, and you uh, you, you know your seminary might have a lunch, and there's there's events to go to, and there's things for your wife to do, and uh, you can drop your kids off at Ridge Haven, and you know it's it's all these things. Well. Um, and that, that doesn't really exist for ruling elders right away. Uh, but now that I've been many years, you know, I, I, we've, we've built up this grassroots network, and I, I have friends I look forward to seeing there and working with and socializing with. Uh, so, um, you know, it's a very different experience for ruling elders, but it can, it can get a lot better with repetition. You know, you want to you wanna go and you want to go over and over uh, to build up, uh, you know, your network, and so you can be effective for your congregation in the context of of the church. Um, also, 
you you mentioned that there's a tendency for um, for elders even, but also people in the pews to think, well, this is all about uh, really fine uh, theological issues that I don't have an interest in or a facility about. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this whole revoice and side B gay issue uh, really kind of tore down that wall for a lot of people. Um, when when your pastor uh, starts saying that, you know, maybe maybe we need to, you know, uh, massage our, our ordination standards a little bit uh, on this issue, uh, people notice and people think uh, people start asking questions and they they begin to uh, seek other counsel. Uh, and that's I'm a, I'm almost grateful that this came up because it it got people engaged, and it's got people coming uh, to general assembly. It's got people coming to presbytery, and it's got people. Uh, you know, if you're in a church where where your pastor is is uh, you know open uh, to these ideas, uh, you're more likely to go to the Aquila Report or go to Presbycast or or go somewhere else to see well. Is, isn't there a smart Presbyterian take on the other side of this uh, that I want to hear about? And, um, you know, we've, we've seen that dynamic kind of, uh, I think, work to the health of the church uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, great, great point. So try to key in on some of what you said there. On the one, the one thing, it, it is difficult for ruling elders um, because... You're right. The t for teaching elders, like this becomes a vacation for a lot of guys. They bring their families. Like you said, they bring their wives. They get to stay in nice hotels. And I mean, I love it. I love going. See a lot of guys, but a ruling elder who's, again, working 60, 70 hours a week, you know, got his family. He shows up. Who's he interfacing with? He's involved locally, maybe. And what you said is is right. Like, you you very quickly develop the networks you need, and so. But I do think this is an encouragement. If there's pat teaching elders out there listening, like you know, I got this from GRN, and it's true. Like it's your job to in introduce your guys around to help them navigate what's going on. Uh, the first GA you go to when you're hearing all the parliamentary procedure, it's 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 not like a presbytery meeting. It is on steroids and it's quick, and things get squashed quick, and things blow up quick. And um, so, teaching elders, you know, be helping your ruling elders, you know. And uh, but if guys, you know, go to Aquila Report listen to Presby cast, you're going to be exposed to a lot of guys. So when I go and hang out, I end up hanging out with, you know, ruling elders probably, you know, I wouldn't say an equal number because there's just not an equal number there, but lots of ruling elders are in, in the circles that I'm discussing things in. And I forget, I often ask, are you ruling elders teaching elder? It doesn't even come up, you know? And so, um, and when you see guys write articles, on Aquila report, oftentimes they're ruling elders and you could reach out to them. You know, I love it when I write something and, uh, and somebody reaches out to me and now I got a friendship. Uh, also you host, uh, 
I guess I can bring this up. I mean, it's not a secret. You you hosted last year the more in the PCA event for ruling elders at General Assembly, and that was just a super. I think that was one of the most fun things non business related at General Assembly last year. <clears throat> yeah, we had tell us about that. Wonderful. Well, um, <clears throat> maybe another uh, another person you might want to have on your podcast is Billy Ball. Uh, but we worked with Billy Ball down at uh, Briarwood uh, to basically have a free barbecue um, uh, dinner and uh, uh, time of socializing at the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame or Alabama College Sports Hall of Fame. It was right there at at the convention venue. Um, and I, there was 450, maybe 500 people there. It was great. Um, I didn't get any barbecue. I was, <laughs> I was so busy talking to folks and and uh, you know, people people came and and uh, had a great time, and uh, we got a list out of that. Uh, we encouraged people to give us their their email address and uh, their name. So uh, we've added that to our list. Uh, uh, Billy Ball uh, is putting together a ruling elder network. Uh, he's got the list. Uh, so we're we're all these different uh, grassroots organizations out there trying to. Um, <clears throat> network people together and draw on each other's strengths uh, to to keep uh, the denomination uh, biblical and uh, keep it strong and keep it together. Uh, you know, there was for many many years, people were uh, very so concerned about the direction of the PCA and churches were leaving. Good, solid, conservative, confessional churches were were leaving the denomination um, and. <clears throat> they don't really have a great place to go. Um, that's that's sort of another factor uh, in our favor is that uh, our if you're a, a confessional uh, Presbyterian, your back's kind of up, up against the wall. Uh, you you kind of have to fight or uh, because there's nowhere else to go. Um, if you're a progressive Christian, I mean, there's any number of denominations uh, where you'd fit in just fine. Uh, but that's that's not um, that's not the way it is on our side of the spectrum. So uh, people have begun to stand up and assert themselves and uh, defend uh, biblical truth, and I, I'm seeing that all over the denomination. And it helps to have a network uh, because th there are yes there's uh, strong people all over. Uh, this is you know we're a grassroots Presbyterian denomination. That means uh, this is. You know, nobody does this alone. There are no bishops. We've got to, we've got to have uh, a lot of people um, populating committees, populating general assembly, and um, you know, doing the right thing. Yeah. So let me uh, let me add to that. The to listeners, and maybe we have listeners that aren't in the PCA, like in the OPC or the ARP, and you hear that, and you you think we're like that's something I would say also is where are we going to go? And you may say, well, what do you mean? What's wrong with, you know? Yeah, but all the denominations are dealing with things. And so when guys in the PCA are thinking, you know, do we leave or stay? Do we fight or or go? Well, one is we, wa we want a pure church for our Lord. But another is the, gra the grass isn't greener. And we know there's issues all over. And, you know, the ARP is great, but if you're in Florida, you may be two hours from the nearest ARP church, so that's not really an option for you for those of us that want connectionalism, not that I'm in Florida. But my point is, uh, 
the Lord has put us here, and we are, and, and and what we're finding through these networks that Charlie mentioned is is there's a lot of guys that we have a lot in common with, uh, and and it's there, there's a there's a sweetness to it. There's a sweetness to the fellowship and to the how we grow with one another. And so Billy Ball, yes, I, I'll have to have him on. Actually, I thought he was you. Actually, <laughs> and, and so when I saw you, uh, I, I was like, "Oh, that's that's not the guy." I thought I thought he was because I remember him speaking at some event, probably promoting the 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 get together. So, is is uh, are you guys planning another GA get together? Yep, uh, we are. Uh, we're planning to uh, have uh, folks get together at the Rendezvous in Memphis. On Wednesday night, uh, this will be a ticketed event um, instead of uh, a free-for-all. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking forward to that a lot. That should be a lot of fun. Oh, that's good. And I, I figured you'd have to do that because it's such a, a fun event that um, you don't want to get crowded out. You don't want all the, the TEs crashing your RE <laughs> thing. Uh, ho- hopefully I could be a guest. Um Absolutely. Since I'm a friend. Uh, uh, Cool. So let's, um, you know, it's daunting for ruling elders who have never been involved denominationally. And um, so what are some advice for you? uh, What is some advice that you have for them, knowing that their presbyteries are about to meet here in January and February? Most presbyteries don't send their full complement of committee of commissioner appointments. And so you can actually get on a committee of commissioners, but you don't have to be on a committee of commissioners to go to General Assembly to be a commissioner of the assembly. Do you want to explain some of this? And if you don't, if you want me to, I will, but maybe you could explain some of this lingo and some of the, uh, the inner workings, some of the GA 101 stuff that somebody might need to know to go. Sure. Uh, I, I really just have a limited knowledge because I've only been on uh, Overtures Committee and then I was on Covenant College. Uh, I'm sorry, Covenant Seminary once. Um, but my my advice to, to an elder is to volunteer to be on a committee. Um, you know, it's all the committees have influence and authority, uh, some more than others. Uh, but it's not just... Uh, you know, doing the work of the church, that's important. Uh, the, the great benefit of being on a committee is you really get to meet other elders outside your church, outside your presbytery. And that's, that's how you can, you know, get involved in this, in this network of, of other elders. Um, and as long as you're going to be at General Assembly in Memphis or wherever it is, you might as well, uh, you know, double down on, on getting involved uh, by being on a committee. Um, so my advice is to is to volunteer, uh, talk to your moderator at Presbytery, talk to your TE, whoever. Uh, there are probably open committee slots for ruling elders uh, from your Presbytery. Volunteer to be on one and volunteer to go to General Assembly, see if you can uh, get your church to make you a commissioner and just go. I, I encourage people to not speak on the floor of General Assembly until you've been there a few times. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of a an, uh, a typical thing is that some newbie will uh, get up and say something that is uh, that doesn't really move the ball forward, um, and it kind of wastes people's time and it and it and it bugs folks. But uh, I I told myself that I'm not going to speak on the floor of General Assembly until I've been there my eleventh time, and so I I still haven't done it. 
but that's my advice is, is uh, to volunteer, go do the work, uh, just right off this week. Uh, as you said before, it's, it's tough uh, because you got to take vacation time or you, you lose sales or you lose billable hours. Uh, uh, but, and you know, a lot of folks want to wait until they're retired. You know, the problem with that is, you know, a lot of retired people end up uh, being full-time caregivers. I mean, there's, it's always something. Um, there's always something else you could be doing instead of General Assembly, but you, you need to make time for it. Uh, same with Presbytery. So the, the the Memphis General Assembly is June 12th to 16th. That is a uh, is 12th a, a, a Tuesday? I think it might be. But you may have to get there the day before, yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay, that's a Monday. Right. Yeah. And uh, this is the 50th anniversary, so there's going to be a lot of interesting things going on for uh for general assembly um let me just explain some of it because i remember in florida just being daunted at trying to register with the terminology i didn't even know and then i just didn't go it was uh, about 10 years ago <laughs> but um so when you go to general assembly when you register for it you become a commissioner and um you go you go and you vote you'll get a little voting device you'll get a, a welcome uh, bag, goodie bag of stuff, and you go to all the sessions and you get to vote on all these things. If you're going to be on a committee, they call it a committee of commissioners, what it is is there's permanent committees in the denomination um, for the administrative committee, for the interchurch relations committee, for all these committees, um, uh, Covenant College, Covenant Seminary, I'm forgetting if those are actually committees or it's just the board. Um, no, those are permanent committees. And what happens is they're doing work all year round, but then when they come to the assembly, people from the presbyteries are assigned to be on those committees to actually vote on their recommendations to send them to the general assembly. And every presbytery gets a representative on every one of those committees. And it alternates. It's not like all the teaching elders can fill all the slots. So half of the committees are slotted for each presbytery to be for ruling elders, and half of the committees are slotted for each presbytery to be for teaching elders, which means, in theory, every committee at General Assembly, Committee of Commissioners, would, would have half and half. It just doesn't work out that way, and so if a slot that is made for a ruling elder has no ruling elder nominees, then a teaching elder can fill it. But if there's even one ruling elder nominee, the teaching elder can't, can't fill it. And so... Uh, it swaps every year. So that's some guidance for you. And like I said, there is, uh, they're, they're never all full for the presser. It's rare. I think Piedmont Triad filled almost all of them last year, and that, was, that would be a rare thing. And, and so the next hurdle for ruling elders is, yeah, but I, I won't know what to do when I'm there. You will. What, to be on these committees, most of them involve one meeting. Some of them might involve two during general assembly it's one meeting there's there's a moderator that already explains what you're voting on before the assembly you'll get information on it and there's plenty of resources to help you uh figure that out and many of the committee meetings are only like an hour less than two hours at general assembly so it's it's not a huge commitment and uh the overtures is and so charlie jumped into the deep end when he went on overtures which is you know could be days worth of meetings but the other ones are not and so 
But whether or not you're on a committee, you go to General Assembly, you register, now you're a voter at General Assembly. So we recommend every church send your elders to that. Hopefully churches are paying for it because they're supposed to pay for the ruling elders to go. But a lot of churches don't have the budget for it, you know, especially solo pastor churches with, you know, less than $100,000 budgets. They don't have the money to send all these people. And that's where more in the PCA can help and is willing to help. Charlie, do you have a a number of REs you can help every year? And you don't have to give us that number if you don't want to. No, uh, we we don't have an upper limit on it. Um, We've, uh, you know, we've, we've got a budget. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully if we, we get to the end of our budget, we can raise more money and help more men. Yeah. So how do you, uh, I, I assume then you take donations. So we're going to have listeners here, either individuals or sessions or churches or pastors that are hearing this. And they may say, man, we want to, we want to help more ruling elders go. How can they give to more in the PCA? Uh, through the same website, you go to more in the PCA.org and, uh, click on the donate tab. And uh, we've made it made it super easy for folks to to give, and they have. Uh, we've gotten uh, great grassroots support uh, for the last four years, um, and it's slowing down a little bit. Uh, so we we'd love to kick it back up. This is the time uh, when people are making plans uh, for for general assembly, especially. So if uh, if folks want to help uh, some other church or some other organization, send um, send a ruling elder. Uh, to General Assembly, uh, we are willing and eager to help. Yeah, and I'll even make a plug for you that if you have budgeted for this, uh, which I would think most churches probably have a budget for General Assembly, and for whatever reason you have leftover money in it or you can't use the money because you don't have the guys to go. I mean, some church, some, again, solo pastor might have himself and three ruling elders and the Aries can't go. Maybe you would consider helping others go through through more in the pca you can give them the money and they will find ruling elders who are desirous to go but financially uh, are having trouble making it happen and so that's a that's a plug uh what would you recommend um right now it's january but registration's not open yet i assume the hotel is going to get booked pretty quick what do you recommend for a ruling elder who's hearing this and saying, I want to go, but I don't know the first step. I haven't even talked to my senior pastor. And then after maybe, you know, he talks to the session, he doesn't know what to do. What are what are some steps you'd give him? Well, um, my, <clears throat> my first recommendation is to get a reservation in Memphis uh, because they go fast. And if it doesn't work out, if you can't go, you can cancel the reservation. You know, uh, take, take note of the uh, reservation cancellation policy. Uh, but... Uh, that's going to be uh, very difficult to come by uh, pretty soon. So I get a reservation. Um, secondly, start talking to uh, other elders, uh, your your pastor, other elders in your presbytery, if you know them, maybe the moderator, about what of what slots on committees are available to you uh, or to ruling elders, and you know start praying about um, about volunteering for that. Um, this, it's it's time to get the wheels in motion. Um, the the year kind of <laughs> the spring kind of comes quickly. Maybe it's just my line of work, but uh, things get super busy, and uh, you want to have uh, your reg- registration and volunteer squared away early. Um, as soon as you register with the administrative committee as a commissioner, 
they're going to start sending you emails. So there's there's stuff to learn and to be aware of, uh, you know, starting in, I think, March. Uh, so you want to be on the, uh, you want to get this figured out as soon as possible and um, and get registered, volunteer for a committee and all. Uh, it's, it's a little disappointing that some presbyteries, in, including my own, isn't going to make uh, committee assignments uh, for a lot of the committees of commissioners until your April meeting. Um, you know, if you wait that long, um, a lot of people have commitments for other things in June, and um, you're, you're going to lose out on some people. So if, if you have a mind to do this, uh, start making plans now. Yeah, good, good word on that. So just to repeat it, I think at your ne if you want to go to General Assembly from your session, at your next session meeting, January or February, make that known to your session. I believe the session has to send you as a representative. Uh, and so you'll need to be you know, nominated and, and voted in by your session. When PCAAC.org opens General Assembly registration, you will, you will register. So let's see. Oh, that was last year's. I'm just opening it. So here's the registration page, and it says registration will open in 2023, and everybody's anxiously awaiting for the registration for General Assembly to open. Once you register, they'll send you an email to uh, with all the information, and, and the hotel info will be on there too. But again, we know where, which hotel it's at, but then you want to book your room. And as Charlie's advising, you may want to book your room from now and uh, do it as, an, as a refundable thing so you can at least have a room. And so go to your, your session, get nominated in, register for General Assembly, get a room, and then at your next presbytery meeting, and really before, I'd contact your clerk uh, or your moderator and ask them w when the appointments to committees will be. And whether or not you get on a committee, you're going to General Assembly to vote on things. It's just whether or not you're going to be in a smaller committee for, for a couple hours or an hour or two. And so that's really that's really it. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. It's, it's all about um, <clears throat> getting your planning done now um, so that it's much easier um, uh, come June. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to at this General Assembly? Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean like you're happy about, but just what are some things on the radar, move, maybe moving through presbyteries or uh, that we will be dealing with or doing at General Assembly? Well, I, I'm still, I still have my eyes on Overture 15 from last year. Um, my presbytery hasn't voted on it yet. I'm, I, I was part of uh, the majority that voted on it in the, um, in the Overtures Committee. I was part of the majority on the floor that voted for it. Um, that was kind of a close vote, <clears throat> and um, unlike the overtures uh, from uh, the previous year on the same uh, side B topic, uh, this it, overture fifteen is so far doing doing surprisingly well. I'm encouraged, and um, I, I'm going to be watching that. I'm going to be watching the Scott Edberg uh, spreadsheets to find out uh, <laughs> how it goes through all these different presbyteries, and I hope that we're going to be able to vote on it at um, at uh, in Memphis uh, to make it a part of the BCO. Um, but the um, one thing that I've learned through this is 
you know, it's not just it's not just the BCO. It's not just what the words we have on paper. It's also the men we have on on committees. You know, are they going to are they going to like um, Harry Reader says? Are, are they using the same dictionary we're using? Are they yeah. um, are are they going to see these issues uh, the same way? we do and and uh you know there's a saying that uh, personnel is policy so uh a lot of uh there's a lot of important votes on the floor of uh of uh general assembly that just have to do with putting uh putting the right men on committees and um i don't know what those votes are now um by the time i get to general assembly we'll know uh, but I know that there will be important votes. Um, it's just, uh, you know, these things are going to have to bubble up through the presbyteries and through the committees. And uh, by the time we get to Memphis, uh, we'll know how important everything is. Yes, and, and a lot happens, you'd think. You know what's funny? In, in, in the PCA, things, in the Presbyterian world, things move very slow. But January to uh to general assembly i've never seen so much work get done <laughs> like and because you like all these overtures will show up now you know in the next few months that you didn't even know and so uh overture 15 of course is the overture disqualifying men who, who self-profess to be homosexuals uh from office and whereas overture 23 last year which was less specific but still had we we wanted that was failing right now this one uh is passing and actually has picked up a net of one presbytery and it would need four so it's well on its way that's something people can pray for uh you'll hear arguments about overture 29 which is passing unanimously as being better but it adds absolutely nothing to our constitution and many 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 men in my camp like overture 29 uh but all it does is reiterate what's in our confession if if overture 15 fails or looks like it's going to fail well i'll ask you do you expect a flurry of new overtures to come to ga to try to <clears throat> further hone the language i do i and i hope for it uh this uh just because uh, a particular church and a, a certain te have moved on uh, out of the denomination doesn't mean that um, this issue is over. The conditions that allowed Revoice to flourish um, for so many years are still with us. Uh, there's nothing stopping another another um, memorial PCA. There's nothing stopping <clears throat> another chapel uh, like they have there or uh, another another teaching elder that wants to uh, change our ordination standards and and uh, you know run off people who make them feel uncomfortable um, and that needs to be fixed uh, and there's two fixes there's there's a BCO fix and there, but there's also a committee fix uh, uh, if you read that uh, the minority report the minority decision from the SJC case in the in one of the spec cases I can't remember but they pointed out that uh, the majority had broken its own rules. Uh, the, 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 the majority of the uh, Standing Judicial Commission had gone out and done fact-gathering. You know, if you're a lawyer, uh, you know that an appellate court doesn't do that. That's, that, that's just not part of their, uh, their jurisdiction or their purview. Um, 
you know, this was this was kind of a stunning um, uh, breach of uh, you know all kinds of norms um, that was that was made to you know keep uh, Greg Johnson comfortable uh, in the in the PCA, and uh, it, it's a bad precedent, and I, I tend to think that it needs to be undone. So there's there's a whole lot of mess to clean up, and um, you know this isn't over. No, it's not over. And I think what it revealed is, you know, to, to your point about being happy about the, um, not that we have to deal with this, but at least the issue is made, has made many more people get engaged. And one thing I think the whole Revoice Side B Memorial chap, the chapel issue has, has raised is we need a better way to be able to take these matters to go to the SJC. And so there's an overture right now, I think it's overture eight, that's trying to amend how, I don't know, what's the legal term for the upper court to take it? Oh, well, uh, in the in the Supreme Court setting, it would be certiorari. Um, but uh, just to, to take jurisdiction of a case. Original jurisdiction, right. Mm-hmm. And so that that looks like that overture looks like it could fail the press trays this year to change the the standards by which uh, the SJC can take cases if enough press trays. And so I, I I foresee another overture replacing that at this general assembly if this one fails, which means there will be important overtures to vote on. But uh, even if there's not one single overture to vote on, there's there's going to be committee appointments to vote on. There's going to be all kinds of things that require decisions. And part of what's going to help our denomination is getting the right men on the committees, on the permanent committees, because they're the ones that are doing the direct oversight of the different organizations that we're questioning maybe some of, of what they're doing. And so there's a lot there's a lot to uh, that will be going on. Uh, also, the 50th anniversary, and there's going to be all kinds of exciting things for for that. Actually, all year long, there's going to be news and uh, and information about the 50th anniversary, and uh, that's something that we should celebrate and thank the Lord for uh, the the founding of this denomination. And may we be faithful to help keep the denomination um, faithful to the Lord. Yeah, that should be. Uh some fun celebrations and commemorations um, all throughout the year and throughout the week. It's it'll be interesting that it, uh, we're 50 years old, but this is only the 49th General Assembly because because COVID. Yes, yes, I know this is everything's been <laughs> shifted and uh, but you know again to, to to look on the bright side of that, I like that we're founded in 73 and we're celebrating the 50 and 23. So <laughs> um, even if we've only had. Uh, 49 general assemblies so uh are you going to be at the gospel reformation network conference in charlotte yes Matthews? we will yes, great will. so I'll, so i will see you there i mean we're only a couple hours from each other anyway but uh this year the gospel reformation network conference is in matthews north carolina at uh the church where kevin DeYoung pastors he will be one of the speakers there I've also heard some exciting news about some of the other speakers. So if you're listening to this and you are near North Carolina, uh, Gospel Reformation Network in May, and we'll probably have another podcast about that. You know, it's been in Birmingham the last few years, which puts it out of reach for a lot of people. But now 
this is going to open up the GRN to a, a lot of new people. So look for Charlie there. Look for myself there. And um, that's going to be one month from General Assembly. So you'll need to do all your GA planning before then. But uh, we'll look forward to saying hi to each other and others there. Uh, any final words, Charlie? No, I don't think so. I think we uh, we covered a lot of it. I guess uh, you know my big my big uh, piece of advice is to volunteer. Uh, if you're an elder, uh, see if you can get on some of these committees. Make sure that uh, your church's voice is heard at uh, at Presbyterian General Assembly. Great. Thanks. And with that, we will sign off. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman. Uh, I've got some exciting guests coming up, and this has just been a joy to do. Once again, thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Pastor George. Sure. <laughs>